Knoxville, and this is Jackass. No, just kidding. Um, I'm Jeremy Appel, and this is Big Shiny Takes, the world's foremost anti-free speech podcast. Uh, joining me, as always, are my two pals, uh, Steve-O. I'm so glad you let them know that you were joking that this isn't Jackass. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, I want... I don't want anyone to be confused. Wait, this isn't Jackass? Why the hell am I on this show? <laughs> well, we lied to get you on. <laughs> yeah. I say this as I'm about to get fired from a cannon. Uh, no, but my guest hosts are guys by the name of Eric Wickham. Hello. I would say he is the Stevo of the Big Shiny Takes crowd. And Marino Greco. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say I'm Bam, and I'm currently harassing my family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's so mean to his parents. Um, but uh, we've also got a very special guest today. Uh, you may know him as the host of a little scrappy podcast called Commons. Arshi Man, welcome to the show, Arshi. Oh, I'm happy to be here. I'm a little worried about all the jackass talk. You know, just uh, I uh, I don't do too well with like dealing with physical pain. All the fear factor kind of stuff doesn't really work for me. So we'll... Yeah, we'll see how this goes. Are you not a Joe Rogan fan? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Look, I'm just not going to like listen to a guy who's made me watch people eat bugs. I'm just not going to yeah. do it. <laughs> he was good on news radio, though. I I never watched it. Yeah, that means nothing to me. Like, I know it exists, <laughs> but... He had hair back then, so... Uh, anyways, um... Arshi uh, is joining us today to talk um, a little bit about uh, freedom. Who doesn't like freedom? We have some thoughts about it here on yeah. the pod. Beep, you know, beep. <laughs> the thing that people keep telling me is that freedom, in fact, is not free. I've heard that before. That's so true. So what's happening with the convoy? Because you guys, <laughs> you guys live in Ontario, right? I'm in Alberta. You know, there was a huge uh, demonstration in support of the convoy over the weekend that went right outside my apartment building. It was like people as far as the eye can see. Um, I, I, I hear in Ontario, it's um, it's a bit different. It's um, I mean, what I've been hearing and, and I have pretty good sources on this is that it is, in fact, the Woodstock of our times. <laughs> That's so true. In that these people are also covered in shit. Yeah, the comparison to Woodstock is not as flattering as these people want it to be. Like, I'm sure they, they want it to be, like, a the cultural touchstone for this generation. But really, it's just, like, a bunch of annoying people. I mean, that wasn't that Woodstock, like, a bunch <laughs> yeah. of really annoying fuckers, like, just at the, you know, dying end of a cultural moment right before <laughs> they all go off and get jobs at fucking investment banks, like. Oh, I would love to see the Venn diagram of people who are at Woodstock and people who are in Ottawa right now. There's got to be, like, at least two or three, right? Yeah, for sure, like, boomers who've just, like, fried their brains but, like, there's so many contradictions to their cause. It's just, like, what narrative are they even following at this point? There's, like, this unifying, like, white supremacy. But then they're all, like, waving Canadian flags. But if you had talked to these people, they all hate, like, multiculturalism and, like, anything that stemmed from, like, like that idea of Canada anyways. So it's just, like, they're, they're just 
really pining for something that I think just never really existed or is well, just like 60 years old. It's funny you say that, Marino, because I read that some with uh, far right extremist views have latched on to <laughs> Oh, so, I you see. Know, I, you know, I, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to judge. Yeah, some people like the people who organized the uh, the entire event have latched on, and uh, their white supremacist and radical right wing views uh, came along with them. Yeah, they can't they can't get rid of Pat King for some reason. He's, <laughs> he's just, just he's such a he's just <laughs> and you know you gotta make him in charge of an entire area of the convoy, right? Like you gotta get the Holocaust denier on your team, right? Like so. Of that group of organizers out in Alberta, we've got Tamara Lich, who was part of the Maverick Party. Hell yeah. Medicine Hat's own Tamara Lich. I actually read, read someone tweeted that she had like just like abandoned ship and taken the money. I don't think it was true, but imagine if it was. I mean, that would be <laughs> the move. I would kind of respect that level of grift. But no, I think she's a true believer. I mean, she's like ass deep in like yellow vests and wexit and like whatever these shitheads become whatever becomes their new cause celebra to like distract from the fact that they are at its core a white nationalist movement right can we just focus for a second on how stupid all of those names sound in conjunction with each other yellow vests <laughs> and then yeah fuck it look wexit is the dumbest you know portmanteau yeah. ever heard. well it's because brexit was that i mean Say say what you will about Brexit, but no one denies that it was an astonishing success. Things in Britain are great right now, and so why wouldn't why wouldn't you want to replicate that in in Canada? Look, I hear Boris Johnson's approval ratings are through the roof. So, <laughs> uh, people love them some Boris. A hundred percent of people who've done cocaine with Boris Johnson approve of him. It's pretty amazing. Uh, look, even the word convoy just kind of sounds like hilariously silly. Like, all I can think about is the song from The Simpsons, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, that's the only thing that comes to my mind when you say convoy. It's so hard for me to not laugh at this moment. But I feel like it's my job to not a little bit because I feel like it's it's so easy to be derisive of the useful idiots of this convoy, which is... The people in their tractors and their trucks and their Honda Civics uh, blocking various roadways in Canada, uh, including in Coots in Alberta, where there's like a really serious situation going down. Oh, hell yeah. No, it's amazing. The cops, they can't get rid of them. Because they don't want to use violence, right? When, mm-hmm. when, when it's a bunch of their buddies who agree with them on everything, they can't use violence, right? They just have to talk with them nicely, try and de-escalate. Um, you know, very different story if you're, say, um, def- an indigenous person defending their land from, you know, fossil fuel. Or like a homeless person in an encampment. In yeah. Yeah. Toronto or Halifax or Hamilton, mm-hmm. or or sleeping in a, an abandoned transit station overnight in Calgary. There's just like, it's easy to be derisive and laugh at this, you know, celebration of oaf philosophy, but <laughs> you can't deny that there's it's been effective. They have attention, and there's absolutely legitimate frustration that 
the left can't organize or like organize like labor through a left wing perspective that's maybe not racist you know more effectively in this country uh so i don't know what can we learn from all of this honking honk honk i don't know honestly i think the trucks thing is brilliant like they are mm-hmm. so visually compelling it makes it look huge and it is this kind of you know both symbol of of this kind of like made up white working class right like I mean, let's be honest here the vast majority of truckers are a Punjabi descent in particular, right? Like that is the biggest contingent. They're not mm. really anywhere to be found in these protests. No. And is it really, is it really big rigs or is it big trucks, which is really different? <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Well, yeah. In what percentage of the people in this convoy do you think are actually truckers? Like it's got to be single digits. Oh yeah. They, they've got very few. You know, speaking about like the frustration on the left, you know, I was talking to my uh, co-producer at Commons, Jordan, um, about all of this. And I was kind of saying, saying like, you know, okay, the left should adopt this as a protest strategy. And she very rightly pointed out that unfortunately nobody in the left has a driver's license. So this just ain't gonna work. <laughs> also, if the left did it, they would be, um, they would be shot. Oh, 100%. Right? They, they, there would be blood, right? Yeah. And you have to be willing to like, Put your life on the line for that. And um, I mean, some people are. I think the point about the trucks being such a good symbol for this this convoy, I think it, it really plays into it being uh, a fake working class movement. There's been a lot of anonymous donations to the GoFundMe that was actually suspended minutes before we started recording this thing. I can't believe anonymous has taken such a hard right pivot. <laughs> Yeah, classic anonymous. Very unpredictable. But, like, it's the way that they have fetishized uh, the truck in this way, the people that are supporting this this rally. I, I think it's very evident in the piece that we're going to read today because this is the husband of someone who works for the UCP who's writing it. The UCP, which, um, you know, their response to the blockade in Coots has been very reflective of the the party, like, splitting it seems right. You had uh, you had Grant Hunter, who used to be Alberta's associate minister of red tape reduction. Now he's just a backbencher. Um, go, he took his grandkids to the blockade at Coots to show them um, the, the the joys of like freedom in democracy. Um, another guy, Shane Getson, who represents a northern Alberta riding, uh, compared them to uh, the uh, French Revolution. Like, compare them to the Jacobins, which, um, you know, perhaps there's some truth to that, but... I mean, only <laughs> once they start cutting each other's heads off, like... Yeah. Um, and Jason Kenney, of course, who passed uh, legislation uh, a couple years ago in response to the indigenous-led blockades and climate justice movement... Um, that would put people in jail for blocking critical infrastructure has been like... Guys, could you please leave? Please. It's like, you know, in The Simpsons when uh, when uh, they hire that uh, that P.I. to go after Sideshow Bob. He's like, I can be very convincing. And he's just like, please leave town. <laughs> yeah. No. Come on. I'll be your friend. <laughs> yeah. and, and, so, you know, and, um, and then Doug Schweitzer, who's actually my MLA, 
um, he's he was like the poster boy for like moderate conservatism who just like fell into line once he got elected um, was just like, yeah, I'm very disappointed, um, very disappointed. Well, Jeremy, what did, is he like? Have you had any other MLAs in the past that you've served under that have commented on the Freedom Convoy? You know, like sort of like other MLAs that you've been under the jurisdiction that have commented on the Freedom Convoy. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, that took me a second. Uh, the legend himself, Drew Barnes, who's no longer a member of the United Conservative Party because he thought he was quite vocal in saying that. Um, and this is going to sound insane to people outside of Alberta, um, that they had imposed too many COVID restrictions that were um, um, infringing on our freedom. Uh, he tweeted out a beautiful image of the convoy, you know, some compared to Woodstock. He compared it to the parting of the Red Sea in the Bible. Uh, for some reason, in this image, there were sharks, <laughs> which I thought was a nice touch. It's biblically accurate. There also... Uh, is in the background what could be a burning cross. It's kind of hard because it's like covered in water. So it's like, is that fire or water? But yeah. So, I mean, that's the what the mood's been in Alberta, but it, it seems to me like, right. The convoy started here, right? So there are a lot of fucking chuds coming out and showing their support, but really the, the consequences of the convoy are being seen in Ontario. And I think uh, Quebec now as well, they've made their way to, yeah, it seems, well, they went to Ottawa for the big Saturday, and then it's just, they've just stayed there for a week. The Ottawa police are tossing their hands up, sort of like, we can't do anything. Uh. Uh, and then now it seems like the truckers are rebounding, because they spent a very brief amount of time in the GTA, but now they're realizing, like, oh, no, we got to make those Toronto liberals suffer. And they're, like, now a like, line of tractors is parked up Avenue Road near the ROM, it's all very distressing. It's clear. I saw one comment that said, oh, it's a real like urban rural divide. And it kind of does seem like uh, uh, some people from rural parts of the country are coming into the city to like disrupt and make us all miserable. Yeah, they're, it's very Maoist if you think about it. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. They're all Maoists. Um, it's an excuse to own the libs. Right. Yeah. They saw they saw the big, cool uh, trucks in Ottawa beeping super loud for freedom. And they went, we can do that. Hopefully it's not as insufferably loud in Toronto. And hopefully the counter protest that is taking place tomorrow on university by the hospitals has a good showing. Because I think it would be nice to show uh, these people that they are not welcome would be a bit distressing like just queen's park being so close to all of those hospitals right yes. like if you let them take over that part of town like there's actual danger in that yeah <laughs> not a good idea <laughs> it's it's gonna be a shit show tomorrow and i mean i'm not super looking forward to it but i think i'm gonna head down and i don't know if this podcast is gonna go on after so uh if it never gets released just know that i was killed by a truck um <laughs> and on that note eric died doing what he loved most being crushed well, by a vehicle yeah um let's, let's get into this uh, <laughs> before we get into the column we should talk about uh nathan stanky or as i thought it, his last name was nathan stinky oh no you did yeah take you that nathan can, i don't think you can say that 
<laughs> I'll bleep it. We'll, out. we'll check. What, we'll check with the institute yep. lawyers. So yeah. Nathan was a 2015 candidate for Peace River in the Alberta election. He uh, ran for the Wild Rose Party, which for folks who are not from Alberta, that is the weird, socially conservative, racist party. Um, I remember Jeremy explaining it to me when he he first moved out to Whitecourt. Every week they had a new press release for someone. <laughs> who's running for them, apologizing for saying something else that was racist. The, the, I mean, the Wild Rose was essentially Alberta's very own version of reform. Like what reform did on a federal level, uh, the Wild Rose did provincially. So they eventually swallowed up the, the PC establishment party. Jason Kenney ran for the PC leadership explicitly to merge with the wild rose but of course the wild rose had way more representation so they got more of a say and now just like with the federal conservatives you see that coalition uh being torn apart between reform and pc and between wild rose and pc here in alberta um i think it's obvious though that the the the, the chuds have the upper hand right it's like trump in the states like everyone's gonna have to fall in line with it or become a uh, fucking uh, Alberta New Democrat, which is essentially PC, right? Like, Notley was, like, a great progressive conservative premier. Um, I mean, well, speaking of falling in line to the chats, I mean, we didn't even mention the fact that they got Aaron O'Toole's term. Yeah. They oh actually God, yeah. got the leader of the federal conservatives. Within days, he's just gone. This, this is kind of incredible. Not for being wishy-washy on the convoy, at least not um, ostensibly, but for not being homophobic. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Uh, I hate how much power they have. They do have power. And like their goal, I guess their real goal is to unseat alleged communist politician Justin Trudeau. Yeah, the socialist and god king, yes. I mean, like they've they've done a decent job of like, I don't want to say delegitimizing the government, but I mean like delegitimizing the government. <laughs> well, I think the government has has done a good job delegitimizing itself by mm -hmm. uh, winning two elections consecutively that um, they failed to win the most votes in. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, speaking about the divide in the party between like the Chuds and the the PCs, the Chuds and the Cucks. The just, yeah, yeah, the the liberals that like low taxes, right? Um, there, like, this kind of speaks to the larger divide that we're seeing in conservative politics, right? Like, if you look at the candidates that are set to replace Aaron O'Toole in the leadership race, it is a it is not a great list of people, right? Like, you got you've got Pierre Polyev, you've got Leslin Lewis. You got Peter McKay, who you I've heard Peter the left. <laughs> the left is trembling in fear of. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Jeremy's dad, uh, Brian Appel. Um, and uh, the list kind of tails off pretty quickly. But we saw Kevin O'Leary make that call to oh, the CBC yeah. reporter being like, I am, I am not interested in being a, a candidate. I do not want to That's such run. a power move, though. <laughs> Calling up a like national politics reporter who's on mat leave to be like, look, a lot of people are telling me to run. I don't want to do it. But a lot of people are saying I should. And I just think you should know that. Oh, my God. It's so embarrassing. Tell it to your newborn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so story is not going to be written about Kevin O'Leary, but. A lot of people are going to laugh. I was kind of hoping to see Tony Clement throw his name into the ring. <laughs> yeah. That would be something else. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, just our own little Anthony Weiner making another run, and probably just like Anthony uh, Weiner, he would trip up again. Yeah, just get caught being catfished by two dudes trying to blackmail him. He has he has a radio show on uh, the community station out in cottage country. It's called like Tony's Rock and Shindig. And occasionally, <laughs> oh I'll put it on, and it is no, that's so that can't funny. Be true. It's amazing. He well, I I feel like his taste in music is like like he's big into like Bachman Turner Overdrive and like April Wine. Like it's very like Canadian like cottage country like boomer music. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Tony <laughs> Tony's Rock and Shindig. Everybody should listen to that after this episode's done. We should probably get into this column. Oh yeah, yeah. So this this Nathan Steinke fellow, he's a he's a he's a loser. He right. <laughs> he he lost in 2015. And, of course, what do you do when you're a conservative loser? Why? You write columns for the post-media empire. Right, right, right. But this is, is like, this is the only thing I could find from him, right? Yeah. And, and this is in the Edmonton Journal, right? Which is, I mean, I have a bias here, but it is a respectable newspaper. All the reporters there are good, and I want to get them in trouble by association, but... Um, they've got great, and so, so is the Herald. It's just management are the exact people post media want in charge of that, and that, and they're the ones who are uh, soliciting these opinion pieces that um, often damage the credibility of the legitimate journalism these newspapers do. And I mean, it's fun the idea that we are catching uh, Steinke at the start of his illustrious career as a shitty hack columnist. Um, but like, what a what a great first step forward into the world of bad takes. Well, and unlike some of the columns that you guys you know kind of dissect, like this one feels pretty like you know authentic like he really is believing this this isn't just to to you know own the libs as you're saying right like mm-hmm. this is you can feel the joy coming off of the page for this guy like he's invested well and he also doesn't specify which woodstock he's referring to <laughs> that's a good point yeah and like i don't know um i could see like like I don't know is like like Alanis Morissette is opening for like Limp Biscuit um, <laughs> it's, on like Parliament Hill. I mean, this actually does have strong Woodstock '99 vibes. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is exactly like Ottawa right now is experiencing Woodstock '99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the porta potties are overflowing. Yeah. Like people are showering yeah. in water fountains. Yeah, cars are on um, fire in the parking lot. Fred Durst is like crowd surfing on a mattress. Like it is. No, I don't. I don't think these guys are into Limp Biscuit though. I I think Limp Biscuit may a bit be a bit too uh, urban for them. If, oh, if you know what I mean. Oh boy, you're probably right. But yeah. let's not get bogged down in the details. Was that like that was the yes. first thought that came to mind too? It was like, I mean, obviously Woodstock '69 has this whole mythology behind it that isn't true. Yeah, but like Woodstock '99 is just full. Like no one denies that it was just a total money grab that became a complete shit show. Yes, kind of like uh, what's happening right now. So that's good. Uh, Archie, we usually let the guest read the column um we won't put that on you if you don't want to read it no no i'm happy to read it fantastic all right let's get it going trucker's convoy the woodstock of our time like good solid title i really know what the column's about so i do appreciate that right off the bat 
you can't be a good headline. <laughs> As the convoy was gathering steam on its way across Alberta, <laughs> my wife suggested that we pull our children out of school for a week and join them. This is one of my favorite kind of like columnist tropes, right? It's just like, it's having a conversation with my family. And yet somehow it's going to lead us to like profound thoughts about our time because the most important work really does happen at the kitchen table. Yes, it's true. He's a family man. And you need to know that because he supports family values and he supports the convoy. Also, can you imagine like children being at what's going on in Ottawa right now? Well, I'm sure there are. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that is that is a mild form of child abuse. There is there's this one video that was floating around Twitter where there's uh, a person with their head out their window of their their pickup truck waving a flag and then a kid in the car seat in the back seat just kind of like looking down and like clearly had been there for oh. an extended period of time and they had just checked out mentally. And it's like, that kid is not going to like their parents. Good. I hope they get emancipated one day. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Yeah, if you... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to our listeners. Maybe that's a controversial statement. But I think (laughs) that if you are at the Freedom Rally and you've been there for a week and you have a child with you that has been there that whole week, that's probably not... And you're pulling them out of school? Aren't they all... Aren't these the same people who are whining about, like, online learning and how kids need to be in school? I mean, let's be fair. A good number of these kids are being homeschooled. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, yeah, especially in Alberta. Yeah, like the government will pay you to homeschool your kids. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, do you want to jump back into this thing? All right. The next line begins with "huh?" Just "huh?" <laughs> question mark. <laughs> huh? I love the in the, sec, in the second line of this piece. You have a sentence that's just "huh." <laughs> well, you know, it makes sense because that's also what the reader's thinking. That's that's right. <laughs> yeah. I really like it when, the, you know, the journalist is a proxy for the audience, right? Like, it's, it's very important. All right. <laughs> what would ever cause my level-headed wife to seriously consider loading our four children into a van for a spontaneous 4,000-kilometer road trip from northern Alberta? Well, you know what? I can tell you what would cause your level-headed wife to do that. It was <laughs> brain rot from watching way too many YouTube videos. Like, <laughs> yeah, like white supremacy. <laughs> Exactly. Um, um, yeah. No. And uh, I like this 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 trope of that it was spontaneous. Like it, this is an astroturf. This wasn't just created for some lady in medicine hat to make like millions of dollars. Like this is a spontaneous demonstration. I also enjoy that. Like this spontane. Like the this interaction that he's having with his wife is spontaneous and certainly absolutely happened and wasn't just a contrivance <laughs> in this man's mind so that he could write a column like this all absolutely took place you know, like this column for these two paragraphs could have gone in such an interesting direction and maybe this is me just hoping for something better where he could have gone, you know, what would have ever caused my level-headed wife to seriously consider loading our four young children into a van? Um, And then like through the piece realized that his wife wasn't perhaps so level-headed and then have to have like an existential crisis and figure out if this is the life he wanted to live. That's right. This is actually a modern love column about a divorce. (laughs) Yes. yes. (laughs) He does leave his wife by the end. Yeah. It's, uh, all right, let's get back into it. 
her answer made me rethink the significance of this protest. Quote, this is Woodstock, she said. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, just like who talks to their partner this way? These like cryptic aphorisms. It's it's going to change the world, man, yeah. she said. Um, it's just like if you saw this family, if you saw a picture of, of the two husband and wife, I don't think they would go to Woodstock is what I'm trying to say. And I don't think they would care if Woodstock was happening. It's, so it's, it's very odd that they would make that connection. Yeah, no, 100%. These, these, these are the same, same demographic of people who joined the first Woodstock. And, and also, like, 94 and 99 would be, just be, like, these fucking disgusting hippies. Like, get jobs. <laughs> At that moment, it clicked. The comparison to the iconic 1969. Okay, so he's specifying which Woodstock, unfortunately. <laughs> Again, so close to making a good point if you just stuck with Woodstock 99. Yeah. Right? Like you're you're almost there. So the, the comparison to the iconic 1969 rock festival clued me into what most Canadian politicians and pundits are missing. This is a cultural moment, not a political one. Oh, God. And, like, you can already tell right here, now we're in the third paragraph, that he's going to bring up that Andrew Breitbart quote, right? Like, politics is downstream from culture, which I believe we'll get to it. But he definitely does do that at some point in this column. He, he, he absolutely does. And, yeah, it's just, oh, I don't know. I, I can't stand it when that quote is used. And even in this this one, he uh, I don't even think he cites Andrew Breitbart. It's like you know, his real, like, deep thinking. A wise man once. <laughs> That's right. A learned, a learned scholar. A scholar, yeah. <laughs> Who died from doing, like, too much blow. Exactly. It's so good. It's like, okay, if politics is downstream from culture, is it also downstream from astroturfed foreign funding from weird anonymous donors? And you just got to love the irony that, you know, in Alberta, where this like movement, quote unquote, is originating right now, there's still the absolutely batshit inquiry into like foreign funding of environmental organizations, you know, the Rockefeller Foundation going out. Yeah, yeah, the Tides Foundation, like George Soros, fucking the Illuminati. But uh, Kenny is actually getting sued for that because the report came out. It found nothing, but Kenny continued to go on and say that it found that there's this foreign funded conspiracy. So a bunch of environmentalist uh, NGOs are suing the premier, which uh, interested to see how that'll play out. That the inquiry was getting so bad that even Vivian Krauss was like distancing herself <laughs> from it. It's like, oh, now yeah. you know this is going down the drain. Like, yeah. She's just like, look, this is not what I had. Uh, I, I won't say anything too bad about Vivian Krebs because she has threatened to sue me before. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I invited her on the podcast, but I think she thought I was inviting her on my other podcast, which is like a serious like interview show. And um, this is a serious interview show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, it just goes to show that just all of these like I don't know, conservative uh, obsessions. It's just all projection. All of it is projection, right? Like, 
I mean, even you look at like the we'll get into, I'm sure, some of the white supremacy stuff later, but like the great replacement theory. It's like, oh, you're just actually describing what happened during settler colonialism. And now you're afraid <laughs> it's gonna happen to you. Right? Right, it's, exactly. It's this profound insecurity. It's because they like they know that they do this stuff, right? Whether it is like, yes, astroturf foreign funding, like that is a hallmark of these kind of right-wing movements in Canada and Europe and in the US. And so they're just like, well, the other side must also be doing it. It's like, no, 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 you're you're absolutely missing what's going on with the left. It's not that they're so organized and they have all these secret funds. It's like, no, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. That's the problem with the left. Yeah. We're not like callous and like willing to like band up with anyone to get whatever shady funds to back our cause. My uncle is in Mexico right now, and he thinks it's very funny that all the white people in Mexico now know where Ottawa is because, like, all American news has been talking about this crazy Canadian grassroots movement. And it's like, oh, it's weird that you guys would be talking about this place that you have ignored your entire existence until now. That has been one of the most annoying things about all of this is just the world media and all of just the worst people in the u.s paying attention to us just being like just elon musk tweeting dog. like was it canadian truckers rock like i mean yeah. i guess musk actually we unfortunately kind of own a piece of him too right he did kind of grow up here a little bit spend time at queen's university is married to or has a kid <laughs> with scribes <laughs> oh my god whose whose mother has done some great work on the uh foreign funding uh of environmentalist tropes it's true yeah and a, a former canada land host as well so i think oh well, yeah the show must... everyone loved let's uh let's make sure we we release an episode that will encourage Archie to come back one day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rather than uh block us on all social media Oh, yeah. Let's let's keep it going here. Um, what's next? OK, the big rigs are one thing, but the real story is found in the miles of cars lining the shoulders of highways in minus 30 to watch the protests go by. I mean, I was kind of surprised by how many people like actually showed up to like and were excited by it. Now, I saw people like friends of mine, like even journalists kind of like in their like, you know, close friend stories, like tweeting about like convoy support and this was when i first kind of heard about it i didn't know what the fuck was happening last week because you know i don't want to pay attention to this nonsense <laughs> it seemed like a lot of mainstream journalists were like fine with the convoy they saw it as like a kooky human interest story until people started yelling at them and calling them fake news i mean i'm of such two two minds of like how the media has been covering this like in one way like yeah if a lot of the press I felt like in Ottawa was just kind of like looking for the first swastika they can find. And like, unfortunately, these guys made it pretty fucking easy for him. Right. But then, you know, at the at the same time, there's like it's a lot of political reporters were used to covering um, Parliament Hill and like, you know, scrumming politicians now being confronted by like sort of real people, but like really angry, largely racist, real people. And they just really didn't know how to go about it. Like, I feel like reporters from either Toronto or especially Montreal would just be more comfortable, like in this kind of setting, but you just don't get this shit happening in Ottawa. And I feel like you could mm -hmm. really read the shock on reporters' faces 
while this was all going on they were just like it doesn't happen in this city this city's too fucking boring like <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's it's the you know there's so many protests in Montreal and there's so many protests in Toronto there was a there was an actual good protest that was happening last week that got no coverage in Toronto. So the Palestinian solidarity protests? Yeah, the yeah. Palestinian solidarity protests that marched from Young and Dundas to the Israeli consulate. Well, actually, the lady from uh, Friends of the Simon Wiesenthal Center uh, said that it was the same as flying swastikas <laughs> and that we need to be against both. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would respectfully disagree. Um, Arshi, do you want to get back into the piece? Yeah, let's go. Before... Before we move on, I wanted to say sort of like something about like people not knowing how to initially gauge this convoy. And there's like more of an ambiguity about whether it was straight up going to be another January 6th thing. I think we've seen how it all played out over the past week, people digging in their their heels. But I mean, like, I don't want to lose sight of like the legitimate parts of their grievances as working class people. And it's not the vaccine mandate stuff. Maybe it's just like the feeling of alienation or not being listened to. I can relate to that when I see pictures and like video of this, like in Avenue road and they're like sharing hot dogs and chumming it up. And it's just like a bunch of dudes I might've known from high school. Yeah. I think in the sense of like, Oh, I could be there. And then like, maybe talk and listen to them halfway. But then you just think, oh, they're probably all unvaccinated. And there's like a swastika flag, like two meters that way. So mm, uh, it's just like, I don't know. I know where I stand now. So I mean, that's the thing. I do think there are obviously a lot of legitimate grievances out there. And I think a lot of people have latched onto this kind of unthinkingly because it is just the uh, one of the few expressions of anger that we can kind of see out there mm-hmm. it's been a horrible few years the government has failed us on every count we're being treated like you know just just kind of like worker robots right like our work is just absolutely so critical and must happen yet we're not getting any of the protections that we need to actually be able to i don't know have lives and then now we're being asked to be locked down again not necessarily you know like the blame goes on the new Mm -hmm. variant right but the reason it's so devastating to us is because we haven't increased our hospital capacity at all in the last two years and because help we're not hiring or training more healthcare workers who are already burnt out to the core like you know so i think there is just a lot of of anger that is being directed towards this and people um you know aren't thinking too much about like who are who am i associating with um the problem Mm -hmm. becomes you know by that these that kind of anger is being captured by some really awful people and they know how to use it and it's you know kind of scary (laughs) yeah yeah it's like it's a really good point like people should be upset i mean serb has been reduced to essentially not enough to cover rent like it's like in through the crb or whatever well you have to demonstrate that you lost your job because of lockdowns that yeah um, when it was announced didn't exist Um, it was a it was a liberal policy there's going to be like eight million different kinds of mean tests on it right like yeah you have to be a small business owner (laughs) yeah who who graduated from college like within the past year yeah yeah, exactly. You have to be able to do like seven backflips in a row and uh, need to be able to do the alphabet backwards while singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Like it's it's all nonsense, right? People should be supported 
through the pandemic. This is a this is a once in a lifetime event. Hopefully, oh my God, hopefully. But our government should be supporting us. And it's like, I can't fault people for being angry, but I can fault them for associating with people like uh, uh, the supporters of the Queen of Canada, who wants to... Oh, I'm yeah. so glad you brought her up. <laughs> because it's like, her her supporters have been instructed to like shoot people who have been vaccinated, and they're just wandering around Gosh. Ottawa, right? Uh, people are waving various white supremacist iconography on giant flags. There are, there are people with legitimate swastika because on their flags, like just just straight plain old swastikas, and there are like people being asked, "Hey, who here is a white supremacist?" And like <laughs> the crowd is like neutral to, "Yeah, that was yeah. an incredible clip." Just like, <laughs> like yeah, she's like, trying to on. prove the opposite, right? She's going around being like, "Are you a white supremacist?" No. Are you a white supremacist? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm reluctant to bring him up on the show, but did you see John Kay tweeting that out and being like, see, it proves that there are barely any white supremacists there. Let's, yeah, okay. Uh, At the risk of talking about John Kay, I mean, so many good just like comparisons between how he obviously was treating the uh, blockades of like rail during the wet sweat and solidarity protests versus this now, right? I mean, hypocrisy is like the most boring thing to point out because practically like everybody fucking does it but um you know god that man's just terrible (laughs) (laughs) just cannot i mean you know that is probably the most lukewarm take on the planet but john k is awful he is he is so bad and the world will never forgive barbara k for bringing us a john um and then her writing's also bad too um (laughs) You wanted to she's say worse about, than he is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think she's like more mask off than him. He like he tries to be cute about his uh, his yeah. like obvious bigotry. But you wanted to say something about the Queen of Canada. Oh, I, I, it's just been amazing to watch, right? Like, so obvious, like just like so many aspects of of this, or just the the horrible right wing nonsense the last two years, right? She's a mix of just like absolutely hilarious nonsense and legitimately like scary cultish thinking you know the whole wanting to shoot healthcare workers the fanatical devotion that her followers show her and it was watching the videos it was both terrifying and really really funny (laughs) to see this like you know dozens and dozens and dozens of people holding her weird purple flag and it's all of these, you know, especially it seemed like a lot of like white women in their 20s and 30s um, just like hanging on her every word. And every word she says sounds absolutely batshit. I mean, she can't string together a normal sentence. And then, of course, she actually burns the Canadian flag. <laughs> which which is cool and good. <laughs> which was hilarious. It was great. <laughs> and and then she's yeah, dismissing Justin Trudeau from his office. Like, <laughs> like, what a ballsy move to say, I am the Queen of Canada. I have replaced the Queen because she's actually been secretly executed. And now... I run the country and yeah. people believe you it's it's incredible and yet they're gonna end up killing somebody you know like, do not talk about her majesty the queen like that exactly yeah. Dale Smith is gonna get really mad at us um yeah. <laughs> Arshu, do you wanna do you wanna get back those are four the, different uh, queens yeah. <laughs> 
uh, fireworks being shot. Okay, let's. I'll, I'll, I'll start with the, the paragraph we were writing because I kind of cut ourselves off halfway. So the big rigs are one thing, but the real stories found in the miles of cars <laughs> lining the shoulders <laughs> of highways, minus negative 30 to watch the protests go by. Fireworks being shot from overpasses, raucous celebrations through small towns and cities. It's, and this is one of my favorite lines because it's just so out of left field. Crowds of Hutterites, traditionally <laughs> apolitical, holding homemade signs of support and offering food. <laughs> I did not expect that we were going to get into like Hutterites. Like, are we, are we going to get into like other Anabaptist groups in here too? Like, it's just <laughs> very random, but all right. But can you imagine if indigenous people did any of that? No, I just... mean, it, it seems like such an obvious point, right? Like, it's such an obvious thing that it barely even needs to be stated. Like, the left and, and oppressed groups cannot do this. This is not allowed, right? Yeah, it would be okay. I mean, we did, we have seen this over and over over the last few years, how instantly militarized these, like, protests from the left become, right? Like, it's, and, and we're not even talking about, you know, the, the infiltration tactics, right, that... Um, police and other security agencies use to take down the most milk toast groups, right? Like mm-hmm. anti-mining organizations that organize small protests have literal cops who show up to their meetings pretending to be, um, you know, pretending to be supporters. And you just can't imagine uh, the RCMP or any other agency doing it to these groups because, as we know, look, cops are supportive of this. Cops are supportive of the most extreme elements of a lot of this stuff, right? When it comes to either the white supremacy side or if we're even talking about vaccine mandates, right? Police are yeah. one of the groups who fought back hardest against that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it makes me so sad. Sorry. <laughs> Do you want to jump back into it? <laughs> yeah. No additional comment, no lies detected. <laughs> Social media pages dedicated to the convoy instantly gained tens of thousands of followers. The largest Facebook group has now reached well over 700,000 members in the span of a week. I mean, it just goes to show you, like, who's also involved in this protest, right? It's like people are joining Facebook. <laughs> just like Woodstock, yeah. you know? Exactly, yeah. But it means, like, everybody is, like, over 50. <laughs> 700,000 of our softest-brained boomers are supporting this cause. Well, it's... Yeah. This is an astroturf movement, and I think the fact that 700,000 people would join like that is actually a red flag and it's weird that he's telling on himself or on the movement this way and, yeah and even the small proportion that are real like like most of them have got to be americans or yeah. people from else right like this is not canadians because it was getting so much international attention you know everyone just joins all of these you know they join like a hundred of the different kind of right-wing groups at once and like it's not this is not i think indicative of the actual support that this you know quote unquote movement has yeah yeah um yeah canadians are tuning out of mainstream media sources more likely to follow the convoy's progress through tiktok and facebook videos okay i will know it was amazing to me how often tiktok was trying to feed me live feeds of the convoy it's still kind of happening it was basically uh, every 10th video and i don't like engage with political stuff on TikTok, really? Like you know, sort of like cooking videos and like cat videos and you know, stupid yeah. shit. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And yet, it was just instantly like trying to churn me into that. I found it really. Ugh. 
gross. Speaking of TikTok, John K made a TikTok account, and I'm sure it's great. Um, but yeah, I I have not seen any convoy stuff, and it's because I've I've worked very hard on my algorithm to show me uh, Lyle the therapy gecko as much yeah. as possible. I like the man who's in the the giant gecko costume taking calls from all over the world oh and, i know that guy yeah yes. it's that's I that's realized wonderful. he was a gecko <laughs> yeah he's just just a big lizard guy um yeah. i like i don't want to see uh any sort of news analysis on tiktok because i i think it's going to be bad and no offense to anybody who's doing analysis on tiktok but 60 seconds is not enough to talk fairly or or deeply enough about something that's as convoluted and multi-layered as something like an astroturfed uh trucker convoy that's taking tens of thousands of dollars in single anonymous donations from all over the world um but yes i digress do you want to jump back into this uh this piece Politicians should thank their lucky stars that this event hasn't yet morphed into a cohesive partisan organization because this is the kind of organic support that no party in the nation has ever achieved. I mean, there is no cohesion to any of this, right? I mean, you can't imagine these folks sitting down and coming together with like a list of like demands uh, uh, that they could all get behind. You know, it is incohate anger at a variety of things, but they don't. Who would sit at that table to even make the call? Like they, you're right. They have like an infinite number of demands. Um, it starts with like no vaccine mandates, and then it goes no vaccines, no masks. Then it goes Queen of Canada, uh, arrest Justin Trudeau, uh, get rid of him. Yeah. Like it's, it's mind-boggling to even keep track of the list of things that these people want um some of them want just all muslims to leave canada right i mean those are some of the prominent organizers who are posting this kind of you know right like 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 tamar lich who also he says no no partisan political party could uh contain this movement well the founder uh works for the maverick party which is a joke and you know has one like didn't even i don't think crack double digits in any riding in saskatchewan or alberta uh, during the federal election, but I mean, it's still a, it's a political party, right? It's a partisan project by definition. And while, you know, kind of jumping off that, while, yes, there is no cohesive partisan organization, I mean, the Conservative Party sure is trying to, like, jump on this and, like, use it to their advantage, and in the process, they're tearing themselves to bits, right? <laughs> okay. In the number of donors and the total donation amount, the convoy's GoFundMe page has outcompeted every political entity in Canada, all without being able to issue generous taxpayer-funded tax receipts. I mean, old news, rip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I wonder if there's a connection there between all the money it's received and the fact that it's not like legitimate tax uh, deductible. Uh, charitable purpose and also if he's pointing out that our political parties in canada are unbelievably inept and have absolutely no connection to (laughs) real people on the ground like yeah yeah you're right (laughs) all of them they're (laughs) terrible they don't know what the fuck they're doing these (laughs) these are you know just largely like like institutions to to give some people jobs in ottawa or like provincial capitals okay where were we here we go have there been concerns about what happens with that money? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm 
mean, again, considering the amount of scrutiny, anytime like a left wing movement raises any amount of money, just like the deep the investigations that go into it, both from the media and from, you know, uh, even like police agencies, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, like, sure, there are like grifters on the left trying to take people's money. That absolutely happens. But again, <coughs> Sean King. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> But, you know, it's just like it gets hand waved off here like so quickly. All of that money is just another indication of like, yes, yeah, support uh, of, of <laughs> proof that this is a an absolutely, um, you know, groundswell of, uh, of a movement. Uh, all right. Is everyone heading to Ottawa with the exact same polished message? Not a chance. <laughs> I mean, that is one way of putting it. <laughs> he is building a very strong case why you should not support this cause. I don't think he thinks he's doing that. Oh, it's it's incredible. I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe everyone will eventually get behind the message of the Queen of Canada <laughs> and this will become a real cohesive partisan movement to uh in, you know, install the rightfully appointed Queen Romana Didalu. Uh, <laughs> Nothing but support for my monarch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my god. Um I I hear that these are just political concerns though. That's right. It's it's only the worries of staffers who must curate a careful image for their bosses. <laughs> I'm not totally sure what this one means. Like he's I think he's trying to dismiss legitimate criticisms of the convoy as, you know, worries by the political class, which he is not a part of because he lost the election he was yeah, in. Yeah, because he's a loser. <laughs> yeah. That's what you have to remember. For your reading list, this guy is a loser. <laughs> yes. Yes. He couldn't even win as Wild Rose. Where did he run? Was he an Edmonton uh, candidate? No, I think it was Peace River. Oh, he couldn't win as a Wild Rose candidate in rural Alberta. This guy is a fucking... Oof loser that is rough <laughs> capital l oh yeah and he, and here we are you know at at the the thesis statement of the mm. piece this is a cultural moment defined by the concerns of those who attend and those who support them i mean the lat forgetting the, the fact that the latter half of that sentence really doesn't make sense or it's just like you know on its face weird uh the whole like trying to divide this between politics and and culture like i i think you know, it's just a way to elide any responsibility for the messaging that's coming out of this convoy, right? By saying that it's about culture instead of politics, then it's like, well, when we're talking about the swastikas that are being flown, the fact that nobody's jumping and beating the shit out of the people flying the a literal Nazi flag. Yeah, that's a red flag. That stuff should <laughs> it's be. It's literally on site. a red flag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe they should. Be. <laughs> well, uh, but the, all of that, you know, by saying this is about culture, it means that you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, right? Like this is, mm -hmm. it somehow rises above politics, and like that's fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm glad you brought that point up about the flags because there's a lot of like whataboutisms and like uh, oh you know a few bad apples can't ruin the movement i have been to protests before and i can tell you that if someone had a flag like that uh gentleman in ottawa did he would not have that flag for very long and he would not have the ability to wave that flag for very long um because someone would take a swing at him very quickly mm -hmm. I mean, this, so I, I'm, I'm going to like digress in a little story that's something that happened to me in the in the summer. Um, 
you know, I was out uh, waiting for a streetcar middle of the night, like, you know, 1.30 a.m., like heading out back home after uh, after being at a bar. And this guy just comes up to me, you know, 20-something, like, alt-right shithead, clearly, and just starts yelling at me, Muhammad raped a nine-year-old. Muhammad raped a nine-year-old. And he's just fucking screaming this shit in the middle of, like, downtown Toronto. And, like, you know, I start doing what I do, recording him, you know, yelling at him, like, this kind of stuff. Very embarrassingly, also just, like, begging him, like, you know, take a swing at me so I can punch you. Because, you know, I'd had a few drinks and, like, this guy's <laughs> screaming racist shit at you. That's what you do. Eventually, you know, I get my bearings a little bit. I'm like, all right, I just got to walk away from this. And then I start walking away. I turn around and he's on the ground because guess what? Somebody fucking hit him because he's nice. screaming racist shit in downtown Toronto. Like, that's what's going to happen. And this is what I'm hoping is I'm, this is what I'm hoping is going to happen in Toronto. I'm hoping it gets ugly. I'm hoping citizens for like the kind of people who are out there supporting homeless encampment protests, kind of people out there supporting pro-Palestine protests. There's a lot of people like that in Toronto and they're going to be out there and they're not going to be very amenable to these people. I don't know. I, th I think it's much better that people like, I don't know, groups of like citizens who actually like give a shit about their fellow man, you know, mm -hmm. take back the streets. I'd prefer that than like some of the calls we've had for massive police uh, yeah, you no. know, yes. crackdowns and things. Like, you know, people were calling for like another G20, you know, like guys, you know, that was bad, right? Like <laughs> we should know yeah. that it's cute when we mass, do it. Exactly. Like we do want to be encouraging like mass state violence as a response to protest. Cause guess what? Who's that actually going to end up being used on the next time? Like this exactly. will be used as a justification to you know crack down hard on any progressive movement out there yeah yeah and like i hope tomorrow doesn't get ugly but i hope it's embarrassing for the truckers that show up yeah i hope they get drowned out by the people that show up that's the best what case I mean. scenario right yeah yeah 100 percent. maybe fighting is the wrong i just don't want there to be tolerance for hate yeah. symbols and i want yeah. there to be like a willingness to self defend ourselves i just don't want to be like i just don't want people to just take this and then like i want people who are not i want leftists to organize yeah there should be confrontation i don't mm -hmm. think there should be yeah. violence necessarily and even even that story that i was saying i want to be clear after i realized that guy was hit unconscious on the ground i called the fucking ambulance i stayed with him made sure that he was able you know breathing safe made sure when the ambulance came then you know he was okay. I ran off because I knew the cops were around the corner <laughs> as well because I don't want to be there. So, you know, I'm not a fan of violence, but at the same time, mm -hmm. if you're doing racist shit in public like that, you have swastikas. If you're screaming, you know, racial epithets or whatever it may be, you're going to get hit. Like, it's mm -hmm. a law of nature, right? It's, I'm not even justifying it. That's just what's going to happen. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, in some instances, right, like, if you are at a protest like this and you're standing on a stage and there's a the guy next to you does have a fucking swastika flag you know maybe you don't punch him in the face although i think that would be fine but you certainly try to get rid of the fucking flag by whatever yeah. means necessary yeah 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 it's like that that's saying like if you're at a party with one nazi in it you're at a nazi party like <laughs> yeah. it's it's that simple like it complicity as simple as not saying anything and that's the group you're a part of if if you don't stop them so exactly all right political watchers would do well to remember 
that politics is downstream of culture. <laughs> oh, there it is. Right? But it's, it's practically plagiarism here, you know? Like, at least you yeah. gotta, like, mention the fucking Breitbart thing. But, like, I don't know if that's just, like, he's trying to, be, like, take credit for that idea or if he thinks that a mention of Breitbart would, like, undermine his points here. He might but... have never even known that that was a Breitbart quote. He probably just, like, got it through osmosis by hanging out with a bunch of shitheads all the time. But how, how could you not, As... right? Like, it's been quoted in every fucking hot take piece about, like, the Trump presidency for the last, you know, four years. Like... Yeah. Confucius said politics <laughs> is downstream true. from culture. Yeah. yeah, I believe it was Look <laughs> You got a problem with that? Take it up with Confucius. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always thought it was Winston Churchill, but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was uh Dr. Norman Bethune said uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> politics is downstream of culture. The the one statue these guys want to take down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the oh, one guy I, who deserves a statue. Let, let's talk about the statues thing a little bit as well, because, again, this is just, like, where, like, Twitter just seems so stupid to me. People and, and even a lot of the mainstream coverage, like, people are, like, talking about the desecration of the statue of, like, Terry Fox. Uh, it's like, what the fuck, guys? Like, let's not fucking get all precious about statues again. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about statues in this way. And also the desecration they were talking, wasn't it like they put a the war memorial they, no they oh, yeah. put like a, oh, yeah, a hat actually, on him yeah. and like he was like waving a flag now um and you know it's like it's an attempt to co-opt a popular canadian right figure. i don't think they're trying to like insult terry fox i think that they learned that he was a good guy in school and they're like well he's a good guy and we're good guys Ooh. so obviously he would be against uh vaccines even though he's fucking terry fox <laughs> white yeah. canadian i think i think it's literally as simple as white Canadian runner, old stock Canadian athlete yeah. guy good. Oh, yeah. I, I was just going to say, yeah, he's like the one kind of untouchable figure we have in like the Canadian mythos. I've always said as well, like the most Canada land story that we could ever do would be the takedown of Terry Hire me. Hire me. I will do that. It's about time someone took that man down a peg. <laughs> That's I, think... right. <laughs> uh, I feel awful even saying, saying that. I mean, he probably was racist. <laughs> yes. Oh God, this yeah, this is what gets us canceled for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but moving away from Terry Fox in particular, I did find like, probably some, the concerns case. around, like, say, statues, just like a little bit too much. Same thing, even just like people are peeing in the streets, right? Like that was a justification used to like go after the Trinity Bellwoods encampment. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be careful around mm-hmm. like just because the other side who are, you know, in this case, mostly a bunch of racists and white nationalists are doing shit that is, you know, that we find that in other situations are used as justifications to to attack, well, you know, much more sympathetic groups. Like you just have to be careful of like bringing that kind of rhetoric into like how yeah. we talk about these things. Well, I, I, I was actually on Bottlemen last week, and Dan Beckner uh, made a very good point um, that if only the victims of Communism Memorial had been built already. Oh my god! <laughs> one of the uh, one of the funniest things I not funny. One of the most infuriating things I saw out of the last week was when people were like, "Oh, they didn't get a permit to protest." Yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> It's a parade if if you get a permit. That is the that is the most lib brain take. 
and, and it's like all all things being equal like come on you got you gotta get a permit <laughs> i will say like i'm pretty sympathetic especially as this thing drags out to people who actually live in downtown ottawa and mm-hmm. just like the noise is kind of absurd um and these are you know some of these folks have attacked people although we haven't seen much organized violence i think though that kind of threat still looms i suppose but i can understand why it's scary why it's frustrating um but you know at the same time yeah again i think we just have to be careful that like this doesn't get turned around on people who actually do need to use protest uh to to fight against the government because protest is ugly oftentimes right like in fact making people uncomfortable is often the point is the way to get you know is a way to exert some kind of of power uh so i don't know i'm torn about it i still think most of these folks are absolute shitheads and if i was in downtown ottawa i'd be you know going crazy but still (laughs) yeah and seeing a lot of tweets from ottawa just you know people mentioning uh that they're adding eggs to their grocery list and i mean hell yeah Sometimes you just gotta crack. Some I love eggs. that. Look, yeah, egg, egg up. That's great, right? Mm-hmm. It That's makes great... you uncomfortable. It's not really violence, although you know they'll try and justify it, but <laughs> it makes them look like fools, and that's a perfect response, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, too. I've you know, I've talked to Kurt Phillips a lot with the Anti Hate Network, who is just such a fucking badass. I yeah. think he was on Candleland too to talk about how he's like a, a high school teacher by day and drumheller in like a Nazi hunter by night. And, and and that's what he was saying too. He's like, you've got to make these people an object of ridicule, right? Like you have to take the threat seriously, but you also, you know, you can't just beat them by being like, well, actually, sir, you are being inaccurate, right? It's like, these people are jokes and you have to expose them as such. Yeah. And as we've seen over and over again, the last few years, um, you know, the stupidest, like most kind of like uh, people who should be the objects of fun can be dangerous. Right. I mean, again, Adolf Hitler, not to not to get, a, uh, you know, inevitably a conversation goes to, to Hitler. But then again, we literally do have Nazi flags in this thing. But, you know, he was a ridiculous fucking guy. Right. Like the the beer hall. Push His birthday was, was 420. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but like, how could you kind of take this guy seriously who tries to like coup the government after just getting drunk at a beer hall, right? Like that is hilarious. Uh, but at the same time, you know, was dangerous. So I don't think those things, we can still make fun of them. And in fact, that is an effective tool against them while still acknowledging their danger. Exactly like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. I mean, like Donald Trump, objectively good tweeter, not yeah. good for the world. Donald Trump is like a once in a lifetime comedic talent. It is. He has good delivery. I miss him. Miss him every day. Like such, just such good timing. And like, like, especially if you watched like before, like, like the early, like Republican, like primary debates when he was just like, like when he called Rand Paul ugly. (laughs) When we see something that is so clearly tapped into the beating heart of Canadians, (laughs) we should recall that politics is usually the final domino to fall. Issues are decided before elections, not during them. So again, up until this point, like you said, we, we're about two thirds of the way through this article. He hasn't actually mentioned what an issue, what the issue is. What is this convoy about? It hasn't come More up freedoms. once. 
right? <laughs> like it is so just vague and amorphous. They want to be able to drink and smoke inside the Rito Center. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm actually kind of in favor of that. So <laughs> yeah, that's what this too. is about. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I saw one sign at the Ottawa convoy that just said "Legalize Freedom." And so, like, that's kind of like what I've been using. Uh, as, why like, isn't anyone tent. thought of that? It's like you got to make freedom legal, you know. And I mean, when you go that that wide, you kind of lose sight of an actual goal. But that's something that people can get behind, at least. And I think that is where some of the support is coming from. The stuff that isn't astroturfed, right? Like because it is so like vague. It's about so many. Can be about basically anything. That, you know, it's just the anger that pierces through, and a lot of people are angry. So I get mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. All right. Politicos fear messaging that is not carefully controlled. They fear the messy and unrefined world of protest. As it turns out, what everyday Canadians fear is something far more real. Fear for their futures, their children, and their ability to put food on the table. What, what does any of this have to do with anything? I don't understand. It's like the, the thing that kept people from being afraid of that was serb the idea that this this convoy is the thing that's gonna give people comfort that they're gonna be looked after is ridiculous because it's kind of a death march right it's like the we want the freedom to be able to die at work you know i kind of understand say anti-lockdown protests right like and but anti-vaccine mandates like i don't know i i kind of you know, we, we do need to get more people vaccinated and there is going to be this percentage of people that never will. The fact that this has just become like the resonant issue of the times and now because of this convoy is going to be debated endlessly for the next few months. I mean, isn't Alberta actually like looking to get rid of their vaccine mandates? Yeah, Even at as the same soon time as that, next week. That's wild. I mean, it's like we're just coming out of this wave and now it's like, you know, vaccine mandates are one of the few things that are actually... decently effective i suppose like it's like we exist in a time loop like last year jason kenny too was like we're removing all restrictions this summer it's gonna be the best summer ever and would you believe it uh icus became uh you know over filled by september and you know we never learn and the exactly these anti-vaxxers and anti-lockdown types i mean they've won they've got everything they wanted and they're still complaining because it's not actually about vaccine mandates. It's not actually about COVID restrictions, right? It's about white, it's about white supremacy. Yeah. I... That sense of white supremacy that they want to be taken legitimately. They want to stop being ridiculed. And that's why I think what Arshi said before was really poignant. We do need to just keep ridiculing them no matter how much like capital power or maybe political power that they might have in that sense or how much attention might be on them they are a fringe minority and they are the object of antipathy for many, many, many Canadians. And we need, we need to make that apparent. Let's finish this column off. We're, we're pretty close. The convoy resonates deep within them in a way that few politicians will ever be (laughs) likely to access the visceral calling of the road, (laughs) the need to be part of something bigger at this particular moment in history does not need the refinement and polish of a political campaign. So, so I'm sorry. I didn't like, let's finish this column off. This is so masturbatory. Um, (laughs) He is just fetishizing truckers here and it is Creepy and sweaty and weird, and I feel like we should make note of that. 
the call of the road. Yeah. And, and again, it's it's fetishizing like oh, this kind of image of a white truck, <laughs> right? Like he, there's no way they're imagining South Asian truckers who most of these people wouldn't associate with in a million fucking years, right? Like he's he's picturing this kind of, yeah, foregone kind of white working class man who comes from like a, you know, a bad, like bad Bruce Springsteen song. Actually, I want to take that back. There's a lot of good Bruce Springsteen songs. I don't want Springsteen. Springsteen. Exactly. I don't want him to catch any strays here. Um, Well, now he has a podcast with with Obama. Obama. So, you know, he may, he may fucking drone you. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's like you said, it's so masturbatory. And I mean, you're right though. Like this, you know, amazing image that he draws for himself about this white trucker. There's like a real stark contrast to the South Asian trucker that is stuck at the border crossing in Coots, blocked off by white people. Weird, alienated, angry white people. Who aren't even truckers. Like, they own a truck, but like, that's not their job. Which is why Davide was 100% correct when he said we should ban (laughs) trucks Except for when people need them for work. (laughs) And and it is one of these things, this whole visceral calling of the road. Guess what? That's not why people become truckers. They become truckers because it's one of the last jobs of last resort left, right? It is one of the few jobs that like immigrants who don't have their like qualifications recognized here or who just need to put food on the table can get. The working conditions are absolutely terrible. There have been other trucker protests over the last year because of mm. massive wage theft that takes place within the trucker industry, right? I mean, there's it's a dangerous job. They're, like it's there's so many actual concerns that real truckers have. Vaccine mandates is not one of them. Ninety percent of truckers, just like the rest of the population, are vaccinated. It's it's just amazing that like this column can exist like just in pure cognitive dissonance like just like a, a detachment from reality it's like you know like the call of the road and this this is you know another just great part for what it's worth our family just couldn't make the trip <laughs> it's like, like I, I don't actually have it's enough kind of part. commitment to this to do that right like yeah but you should exactly <laughs> you I, dear reader i can dream about it i can i can write a whole column about it in a in a major city newspaper but However, I know many people from the quiet rural north who did. The quiet rural north. Very Mm. interesting. Hmm. Groups of friends or spouses who decided with pure conviction to get in a vehicle and just go. Quiet is a weird adjective to use there. Right? What what does that imply? (laughs) Just, you know, um, a a couple couple quiet white people. Um, Like, that's, that's what it feels like. Maybe I'm inferring a little bit there. It is It is the silent majority that's finally doing something to stamp out, you know, the, the horrible things happening in this country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, soft-spoken Johnny Canada is coming down from Wainwright, Alberta to uh, kick Turto and his, his behind. You know, like, it's just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, sorry, that reminds me. You know that you, they were chanting, uh, let's go Brando? Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good portmanteau. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's the final line. 
I suspect that much like Woodstock, everyone years from now will claim to have been there as the stories and legends filter down to our kids and grandkids. <laughs> I can tell you a lot of people in Ottawa will never forget this. That is for sure. Well, and I think, I think a lot of people will claim to have not been there who were there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like imagine tell, like gathering all your grandkids around the fire. This is during the the climate change wars that are inevitably going to be happening, you know, 40 years from now. And you're like, kids, I got to tell you a story about the time the Queen of Canada told me to shoot the Prime Minister. <laughs> and I tried. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and even his, his political, his, his like sign off here, Nathan's, is it Stinky? Stinky? Nathan Stinky is from Stinky. Valley, Valley View, Stinky Alberta. Stinky is a very Albertan last name. Stinky. Yeah. All right. Nathan Stinky is from Valley View, Alberta. He is a father of four and has worked as a political staff. I just love the <laughs> inserting the father of four thing, right? Like it has nothing to do with absolutely anything. He's just a good salt of the earth family man. And also like the fact that he, I don't know, he was insulting political staffers earlier in this call, wasn't he? Like <laughs> maybe he's trying to deflect from any criticism. Fortunately, such pathetic tactics don't work. On well, us. he's, yeah. he's a political staffer, but he's also a father of four. And also his wife works for the UCP in some capacity. Yeah, I think his wife is a political staffer. Yeah. He's just some loser who couldn't win a seat for the Wild Rose. In um, it's very funny that they included that because it is like they just want people to think like, oh, he's just he's just a dad. You know, he wants what's best for his country and his kids. And it's like, no, he's the person that he is discounting earlier in the piece. And that, that plays into the fact that this is not a working class movement. This is not like a blue collar thing. This is people with clear political agendas trying to push an idea and a narrative down the throats of everybody in this country. And unfortunately for some of my uh, Facebook friends, it clearly has worked. Oh, so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Arshi, thank you for getting through that piece with us. Um, we usually, at the end of a column like this, we usually riff about the person who wrote it, but this guy's uh, invisible. Pretty anonymous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's like either got like a zero digital footprint because he's like a super spy, or he's just never been on the internet before. So typically, at the end of the show, we, we try and do a bit of a palate cleanser and talk about things that we read this week that weren't bad and were interesting. It could be any piece of media movie tv show book article anything that you're working on either and then we'll just go around and we recommend it to our listeners jeremy yes well uh directly uh relevant to this topic uh there's a great piece from uh emma jackson of climate justice edmonton in the breach uh talking about how the left needs to seize on this this discontent that's that's emblemized by this convoy and channel that anger in like a a, a, a positive direction uh, definitely recommend you check that piece out fuck what else there's another piece oh yes uh, friend of the show Tom Ross uh, fucking took down uh, chief of staff to Calgary Mayor Jody Gondek uh, Stephen Carter for uh, being a bully um, he's got a couple stories on that city, city Calgary. Um, and yeah, apparently, uh, he 
um, was working on the story about how Stephen Carter is an asshole, which is, you know, breaking news. <laughs> Anyone who knows who he is. But he, he, he reached out to the mayor, Joey Gondak, for comment. And then he Carter immediately got fired. So <laughs> shout out to Tom. Like that is like journalism at its finest. And uh, you got to come on the pod. Yeah. Another victory for cancel culture. Arshi, have you, have you read, seen, uh, made anything that you would want to share with our audience? Yeah. I mean, if, if you, I'll recommend uh, our latest season of commons um, <laughs> just in case people haven't listened to it. Basically, we focused in on Canadian mining, and that's, you know, starting back from the Klondike onwards to the kind of international mining empire that exists in Canada today. I mean, if you actually want to hear stories about Canada being oppressive and the awful shit that companies uh, do to people both here and abroad with the full backing of the Canadian government, you know, this is something I think you should check out. And again, with like most of our, our podcasts, it'll be pretty depressing, but it won't be boring. This is not going to be, this is, these aren't academic discussions about uh, these issues. So if you haven't checked it out, I'd recommend, uh, I'd recommend that. It's such a good cosign. Yeah. Yeah. We all love the show. Uh, the episode about the coal mine disaster out east is like, Westray, yeah. It's like horrifying to listen to, but I couldn't stop. You know, like uh, it's such good storytelling. I have a couple things that I would like to recommend. You already recommended Common, so I don't have to do that. But Dan Collin from uh, the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, he's been writing about the far right forever. But he actually ended up on uh, an American podcast called It Could Happen Here, uh, talking about the trucker convoy. Very interesting. Also great to see a Toronto journalist get their due on an American show. On top of that, there's there's a great piece called The Freedom Convoy is Nothing But a Vehicle for the Far Right, and it really takes down Tamara Lich and Pat King and Ben Dichter. Dieter, I've only seen his name written. I, I've never seen... There's a, there's a funny uh, Canadian Jewish news piece on him because he's Jewish. Okay. Headline is, Who cares about swastikas in the trucker convoy? Group's Jewish oh spokesperson God. asks. <laughs> what the f- <laughs> Fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is It's actually an episode of uh the CJN's um uh CJN Daily podcast, which I have some problems with how they framed uh certain stories, but um great headline. That's a great segue into the next thing that I was gonna recommend which was a panel that uh jeremy appel was on actually Mm. it was the canadian jewish news show bonjour yeah yeah, it was their other podcast um and it was a panel about the future of progressive zionism which jeremy was a part of and he melted a guy's brain at one point it's very very funny um jeremy does a great job He, he represents a progressive view that i don't think gets a lot of space in this country on that specific topic well, certainly not in the Jewish community. Yes, and and honestly, you should pat yourself on the back. I don't want your head to get too big because, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's really great. Like, everybody who listened to it loved it, so everybody should listen to that. Even my parents were like, oh, you made some interesting points. Hell yeah. Everybody also should join our Discord if you enjoy shit posting on Twitter. Do it with friends and not have weird alt-right trolls uh, screaming at you in your DMs. It's plenty of fun we'll put the link in the show notes i'm so sorry this is a very long recommendation if you see your friends posting about the trucker convoy in a positive light 
bully them. Cyberbullying, I'm recommending cyberbullying. Be mean yeah. to your friends. They deserve it. Yeah. They don't know what they're talking about. And it will be fun and you will feel better. And te- like honestly, take a screenshot, tag us on Twitter, and we will we will share it with all your new friends on the left. Uh, <laughs> Marino, do you have anything that you'd like to recommend? Uh yeah, I guess. Uh it's been a <laughs> Before all this convoy stuff happened, it's been very uh, cold in Toronto, like very cold. And there's been a lot of snow. So it's kind of sapped my energy to do any sort of focused reading. I'm still trying to get through Jakarta Project. Jakarta which Method. Is still cool. Method. Sure. Jakarta Method. Thank you. You should start by See, reading the. the, the <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been, that's how long it's been. I've forgotten the name of the book. But I don't know. Recently, I've Great just sort of been. Book. I've been following some of the, uh, I guess, reporting out of the Toronto Star headline by like Olivia Bowden. And I don't know if anyone else is on the team is like covering the trucker convoy or like leading that coverage. But I just I follow her on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, they've been on top of it. They've been providing, I think, a pretty good perspective uh, that is a little bit not quite in line with past things from the star where they're were more directly antagonistic to vaccine mandates in a not helpful way, maybe with certain uh uh, front pages that they had but yeah that and uh just very basic like comfort food watches like rewatching transformers beast wars from my childhood and that's that's been my my diet lately fantastic well arshi i guess that brings us to the end of the show i like (laughs) i kind of don't want it to end this has been really fun eric's (laughs) gonna sing my way yeah (laughs) that's that's how we close the show i love it yeah. No, but I did want to say, Arshi, um, when we ran, me and Eric ran into you uh, at a bar in Toronto, and you said not only do you listen to our podcast, <laughs> but you enjoyed it. That was very nice. You didn't have I, to say that. And Yeah, no, it, it, it meant a, it really did mean a lot to me. Um, and uh, your work is like so vital in Canadian journalism, and I'm really grateful um, that you uh, took some time out of your Friday night to uh, read this awful take with us. And I appreciate you lying and saying that you enjoyed our show. (laughs) Oh, no. It was uh, was great to run into you guys, and I'm so happy uh, you actually, you know, uh, invited me on. So, yeah. Yeah, well, please come back soon sometime, and we promise it will not be about the trucker convoy. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Bye. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Bye. It's the It Shiny Takes, the only anti-free speech podcast. The It Shiny Takes, reading garbage for your brain. It's the It Shiny Takes, with Jeremy, Eric, and Marino. The It Shiny Takes are sure to entertain, are sure to entertain. Eric, you forgot to sing my way. Oh, shit. We'll put it on the bonus.